On this episode of our Marketing Leaders podcast, I talk to Alessandra Canavese, Head of Marketing at AXA Investment Managers for, for the Alts Division. Um, and I talk to her about uh, how less is more, how you can actually get better, more uh, impactful results by, by doing less and not trying to do everything. Um, I talk to her about leadership communications, how to build better visibility and, and more sort of genuine, authentic thought leadership for our leadership teams. Um, we talk about ESG, how to avoid greenwashing and how to market your, your, your propositions in a way that's, that's, that's both authentic but also compelling. We talk about what high-impact campaigns actually look like. Uh, so what does that mean? How do you think about tracking that, measuring it, benchmarking it, etc.? Um, and then we talk about how you can, you can stand out in the new hybrid environment. And Alessandra has some quite um, useful insights around that, that last point based on, on some of the, the work she's been doing in this sort of hybrid environment recently. So that's, that's, that's all really great stuff. I actually met Alessandra for the first time um, at a financial services marketing conference uh, we did about six months ago together. We were both speaking um, at the conference. And when I heard her speaking, I thought it'd be really brilliant to get her on the podcast to share her insights. So without any further ado, I very much hope you will very much enjoy this episode. Alessandra, thank you very much for joining us uh, today. It's very great pleasure to have you on. Um, now, when we were first thinking about having this conversation, one of the things that we we had been talking about, I think, at the event where we met, was this idea of doing doing less and doing better, and kind of focusing more on quality rather than quantity. And I thought it'd be interesting just to kick off the conversation by getting your thoughts around what that means to you and, and, and the way you think about delivering really high impact uh, campaigns. And thank you, Josh, for inviting me. It's a real pleasure to be here. Then, as you said, uh, I think we can very easily summarize the, my, <laughs> my view, which is uh, in this case, uh, uh, less is more. Um, I think when it comes to communication strategies, uh, uh, we really need to try to focus on uh, meaningful content and uh, um, implement it and leverage across uh, different channels, of course, different touching points. Um, I also think there is a desire overall for simplicity. What you say doesn't need to be overcomplicated, doesn't need to go into the deepest depth of the subject, but it needs to be relevant. So my focus, I would say, it's on meaningful content delivered in a creative or the best possible creative way you can, uh, you can afford and leverage it across the channels that are relevant for you. So uh, I think in the last... Uh, couple of years, we have all implemented uh, our KPIs, uh, how we measure the effectiveness of what we do. So from my perspective, we can also leverage on the data and the information about uh, how our communication is consumed uh, and focus on the channels that uh, have provided the highest level of engagement. So, so one of the things you're saying there is that because you're tracking the data, you're actually able to be more confident about what, what's working. And then you can you can focus more energy on on the things that you know work. Yes, um, and also um, understand better how people consume the, the um, content that you push. Uh, understand uh, 
the topics that work uh, across a specific geography, across a specific uh, target segment. So instead of uh, try to throw the net uh, to the widest possible audience, uh, have more uh, targeted and specific approach uh, in terms of the outputs uh, that you produce. No, I, I really like that because I think that's that's something that we we talk about a lot is this idea that it, it takes quite a lot of confidence to actually focus on just a few a few things or a few campaigns rather than trying to do everything and be everything to everybody. And I guess you know you're very much aligned with our way of thinking, which is that it's the data that gives you the confidence to to do that. So you know what works and, and for which audiences, which themes, what topics, etc., what types of content. And I would also add uh, um, know your know your clients, know your audience. Uh, uh, know them uh, by data, but also I think uh, the human touch. Uh, and in this case, uh, I can rely on my colleagues uh, uh, on the distribution channels, of course, uh, uh, that they know more uh, in depth uh, uh, their audience, uh, leverage on their knowledge uh, and uh, uh, understand from them uh, what their clients value. So it's very much, very much the art and the science. Yeah. So we were talking about you know, obviously about content quite generally, but something that we've talked about before is how we can better um, sort of communicate around the senior leadership teams that we work with, the way that we can position them as, as genuine thought leaders in, in their respective spaces. Um, it'd be good to get your thoughts on, on, uh, on, that, on that piece as well. And in, in that respect, I think uh, what is really important uh, is um, define space uh, and own it. Uh, I think uh, authenticity now is uh, really, really meaningful. And uh, when it comes also to uh, leverage thought leadership and uh, working with, uh, with our thought leaders uh, is uh, mm, leverage on their expertise and leverage on uh, topics and subjects uh, they are truly committed, uh, knowledgeable, and passionate about. Because I think, uh, despite uh, living in this digital world, uh, the audience uh, really understands uh, when the spokesperson owns, uh, knows, uh, and uh, uh, believes uh, in the content. Um, I don't think there is any point uh, pushing, uh, I give you an example, a piece of research uh, or a piece of thought leadership uh, through a business leader who has no interest uh, in it or uh, <laughs> providing uh, like uh, some ghost writing uh, <laughs> opportunities. Yes. I think uh, um, leadership communication is about uh, what the actual leader wants to communicate, uh, the values they believe in and uh, the passion that they have for this. Uh, and I think, again, it's important uh, to know the people you work with, uh, understand uh, where their heart is, uh, and uh, get them to you know, spread the gospel about it. Yeah, I, I certainly think you're entirely right that if you, if you want people to be, to be sort of evangelical about what they're doing, there's gotta be that authenticity. Yeah, I, I really think it's uh, it's it's very visible, it's very transparent, uh, and the message uh, comes across uh, more cre clearly and uh, in a more authentic way when uh, the leader 
believes in and is behind it. I think I think one of the you know authenticity is a word that we find ourselves using a lot these days, and I think especially in the ESG context as well, the conversation around sustainability, because we so often you know we're treading a, a fine line between um, you know communicating an aspirational message that people want to hear, and at the same time making sure it's grounded in in you know a underlying reality when when you're thinking about communicating around esg how do you avoid the traps around greenwashing and all of the associated challenges there then it's a, a very very good question especially given that in the last uh, 12 even 20 months uh, you cannot open an article or a linkedin post without finding the word uh, esg so i think on one side uh, I'm delighted that uh, there has been a raise, uh, exponential raise in ESG-related products uh, and solution across the industry. But on the other hand, uh, uh, what is uh, what I think uh, has come across as very, very important uh, is the uh, education piece on one side, and that uh, needs to happen at the company level. So any piece of communication around this topic uh, needs to be thought for both internal and external purpose because each of us becomes an ambassador for what uh, is our belief in this respect. Second point I would put across uh, is uh, avoid jargon. ESG, it's a wonderful word that everyone uses but not many people actually uh, understand the depth of it. And uh, connected to this, uh, be tangible, be accurate, be specific, uh, talk about uh, real achievements, uh, things that you have done, uh, and less on what you are planning to do, uh, and make it mean meaningful and understanding. As I said, this is, I think, very much part of the, of the education process. And uh, be authentic, be humble, be, like, be honest about the fact that this is just the beginning of a long journey. And uh, it's really reassuring to see that a lot of companies are doing uh, wonderful work in this space uh, and are heading in the right direction, but also be honest about uh, where you stand uh, uh, on the journey. Again, this is, has been a topic uh, the forefront of, of my uh, <laughs> marketing content. Uh, I'm pleased to say for a long time, it's not something that we woke up uh, at the beginning of last year and we said, oh, we need to start communicating and doing some work around it. But a lot of background work was done three, four, five years uh, properly since I started at AXA. I also think it's very important uh, to listen to the expert uh, in your field. And uh, um, there is an enormous learning curve uh, that uh, <laughs> needs to happen across uh, uh, staff uh, and uh, uh, the audience we are talking to. Um, and uh, understand also, uh, you know, use the expert to understand also the, the, the more sophisticated and technical part of uh, what is relevant uh, for your particular business in this space, uh, because they are also uh, really, really important uh, people. So to um, keep the debate uh, open, uh, communicate uh, uh, achievable goals, uh, uh, results, uh, and so on. And uh, Last thing, and you can probably tell, I mean, this is a topic that uh, we've been thinking about quite a lot. Uh, there is always a, a lot of focus on the 
E aspect of ESG and less uh, on the on the other letter. So I think, uh, as an industry, probably uh, we should really think about a more uh, holistic approach uh, on this very very uh, important uh, matter. I think you you touched on a couple of really interesting things that I want to just touch on briefly. I think one was the this idea that when you are when you are at the beginning of a journey, you have to admit that um, and be very open about that. And that that was interesting because obviously your your focus is is very much in the alts space. And I I I, I get the impression from talking to you and others in the industry that the alts space is is not as as far ahead as, as some other some other spaces in terms of um, thinking about ESG, and I think that's I think that's rapidly changing. Um, but do you you know to your point earlier about the sort of ed- educative aspect of what you're you're doing? Is that does that make that extra important for what, for what you're doing? And I'm pleased to say that uh, we have been embedding ESG criteria in the alternative space for quite a long time. Uh, and uh, um, we have also put in place internally some really, really good programs uh, to help people understand uh, what it means uh, at the uh, very tangible level, so asset level. And I'm thinking about, uh, you know, within uh, the uh, alternative space, uh, uh, I work extensively across real estate and infrastructure, and uh, uh, particularly real estate, uh, uh, you know, is a sector that is responsible for 40% of the carbon emissions. So there is a, a lot of work that we are doing there, and it's extremely <clears throat> tangible to reduce emission at the construction and delivery phase, uh, and also implementing uh, uh, strategies in action once uh, the building uh, is up and running uh, and is occupied. So uh, just to, to go back to, to your question, I think uh, uh, it's probably less uh, visible than uh, for other sector of the financial industry, uh, but uh, uh, there, is, there has been a lot of work uh, across uh, all different types of assets and the work, and this is a demonstration of what I was saying, it's uh, very specific across the different asset classes. So uh, you can do um, very, you know, you can really demonstrate what you're doing, for example, when you're talking about buildings, when you're talking about investing in uh, uh, renewable energy, in uh, electric trains, uh, in uh, uh, photovoltaic panels, uh, but also uh, we are looking at other um, activities that we could do, for example, with uh, uh, bond uh, issuance, uh, uh, for some of our funds, so the the range of activities is uh, is wide, uh, and I think uh, can only expand. That's really helpful. Now, changing changing tack a bit, um, something that you and I both have a, a keen interest in is this notion of high impact campaigns and really trying to you know deliver a lot of impact with. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, even just within a single campaign. Um, so it'd be it'd be good to talk to you about your views on 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 what makes a high impact campaign and 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 what are the sort of core components and how do you think about putting them together? 
Then I think if I had uh, a solution uh, like one size fits all, I think uh, <laughs> I would not be sharing the secret. But uh, um, I think the key measure is uh, engagement. And I, I really also value the internal and the external engagement. And I give you a very practical example. Um, I think the internal engagement is extremely useful and relevant because, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, every single person working for a company is, uh, by extension, a spokesperson for that company. When they speak about their job to their families, to what they share on their social media, uh, to when they, you know, uh, describe uh, their day-to-day -day life. So I, I, I think uh, engagement, both internally and externally, is what brings new opportunities and really uh, gives uh, extra legs uh, to the core activities that we are doing, uh, might it be a press uh, release, uh, could be um, you know something that brings uh, additional um, leads generation. I just feel that the high impact uh, happens when uh, content uh, is uh, reshared, and uh, that content has intrinsically, I would say, some elements that allows it to auto-generate or to to you know I, I don't like to use the word going viral because in our <laughs> in yeah. our industry that doesn't happen very often but basically uh, something that uh, has legs uh, and has got a legacy uh, that goes beyond uh, the day you release that particular piece of information might be a press release uh, a post on LinkedIn uh, a piece of thought leadership and uh, again uh, a very uh, useful and tangible measure of success uh, is, of course, the level of engagement that we can track uh, and uh, the number of uh, eyeballs they received, uh, but also is actually when you meet people in real life and they tell you, oh, I've read that great piece, uh, or I saw you're doing this great uh, deal. Uh, that is what really gives you measure of the fact that something had uh, a high impact. And of course, uh, leads generation client conversation, etc., are all a uh, very, very important uh, part of this. So I think uh, looking in an holistic way, it's also uh, what makes it uh, high impact. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that point you've just made about the, I don't know if the word is viral, but maybe shareability of, uh, of this sort of core idea or the core piece of content that it is that you that you're putting out there and i i think it's quite interesting when you think about you know there's some things that you see being reshared and reshared and reshared and it tends to be because there was a particular need or interest in you know that particular statistic that came out of that or you know there's something that's kind of useful to people and i think that that utility point is 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 maybe something we could as as, as an industry focus on more uh, when we're thinking about content like what would actually be new or useful, interesting to, to, to the audiences that we're looking to get in front of. Um, because I think that's where, you, you know, to your point, you tend to see really quite, quite good engagement. No, absolutely. Sure. Uh, I completely agree. So uh, last question uh, really is, obviously um, it looks like hybrids here to stay in some shape or form, probably hybrid form. Um, I think, you know, the last 18 months, two years has been uh, pretty intriguing, very interesting as marketers having to wrestle with 
virtual modes of doing things. But I, I'd be curious to, to see whether there were you know anything any lessons you learned from going virtual last year that maybe you'll 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 keep doing in a sort of hybrid slash new normal kind of environment. I think it's important to acknowledge that uh, I think we have done incredibly well out of the challenge we all had to face last year and uh, and also acknowledge that it wasn't easy to move uh, onto an online world and we all as marketeers appreciate uh, how uh, doing things virtually takes uh, as long and as much effort as doing them in a in a in a physical space um i think what uh, is the key thing that i would uh, take as a as a learning from them from from what we saw um it's again what i said at the beginning uh, the the focus on uh, specific segments specific topics uh, that you own and where you truly have an expertise there is no point uh, pushing as much content uh, or launching as many activities that you can possibly manage you need to really focus on a space, uh, own it, uh, and push uh, the best possible spokesperson and the best possible content uh, you can deliver. Uh, I, I think overall, as a general uh, reflection, we are heading towards a world where being spe specialist is, uh, is very important. And uh, uh, we want to hear from the best people in the market. We want to hear from uh, the one who have uh, uh, the holistic view but also know the subject matter very very well uh, so I think uh, uh, people are more discerning people are more selective about what they read consume listen etc so it's important to carve out uh, an expertise uh, own it uh, and focus on that and not try to be everything for everyone I think it makes a lot of sense something we've 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 discussed before, and I remember you telling me about it, and I thought this was brilliant. It'd be worth just touching on was um, the way that you guys responded to um, to the, the sort of lockdown situation last year with some of the virtual work you're doing to show people, you know, the the the, the um, sort of interiors and things. If we'll, oh yes, yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. No, on the real estate side, because uh, as part of uh, the uh, steps that investors normally take uh, to to commit to a specific investment, uh, we normally take them with the with the help of uh, the asset managers, the people who manage the day-to-day -day activities uh, of a building to to visit them. Might they be logistic assets, uh, hotels, uh, um, offices, residential, you name it. We we have the full spectrum under management. So in order to fill that gap, and you can imagine when you invest in tangible assets, it's, it's very important to actually see them. And uh, uh, there was not a possibility, of course, especially because we work with investors that might be based in Korea, Canada, or uh, the Netherlands, and the asset might be in Paris, in London, in Frankfurt. Uh, so uh, we launched basically the equivalent of what you see a lot on the residential space of offering virtual tour of an apartment you might be buying or renting. And we did the same for uh, a large selection of our assets across uh, our main portfolios 
to give them the opportunity to visit them virtually, again, being guided by one of our experts, the people who manage that particular building, and give them a better sense of what the investment they are about to make represents. And uh, uh, these two, basically, the way we conceived it is that the first tour is guided, as if you were going to essentially a gallery. And uh, after you had the first guided tour, the login details are provided to you. And uh, you can revisit uh, and re redo the walk uh, at your own leisure to you know, indulge on some specific features or just have another look. It's, really, it's a really elegant idea. I really like it. Is that something... Adventures that you'll you'll keep doing, or do you think as we go back to, to normal, it'll just not be necessary? No, we we will keep on doing it. Uh, and uh, again, um, this is a project that uh, doesn't have an end, uh, but uh, is particularly linked with uh, to a specific portfolio. So as we continue making investments uh, across uh, um, some key assets across Europe. Uh, the portfolio will grow and uh, the number of uh, assets that will be scanned <laughs> essentially uh, will grow alongside that. I really like that because it's, it's a really nice example of how how necessity and sometimes difficult situations breed innovation and and you know elegant new solutions to, to new problems. And it's mm -hmm. quite cool when you see them persisting into, as we go back into the sort of, if you like, the normal world. I think that's, it's, it's great to see that innovation continue. No, definitely. And uh, again, if we're looking also at minimizing travels and carbon footprint, etc., it's one of the many little steps that we can take to minimize that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Alessandra, that's been really interesting. And thank you very much for your time um, and, and sharing your thoughts as well.